podcast kitty now. Yeah. Hey, Frankie. Oh, <laughs> I really hope you can hear that. <laughs> so as you will remember from our last episode, we finally got the bush cat to come hang out with us. And now she just lives at my house and she's amazing. And she's like such a perfect little spooky, slinky black kitty cat. I know. I'm so excited. And she fits in perfectly with the dogs. Like she tolerates all of their bullshit. Zelda, my tiny terrier, just follows her around like paparazzi. <laughs> she thinks... Colin and I have been joking that she thinks Frankie is just the coolest thing that ever happened. Like, she's like, man, Frankie, you're just so cool. I just, I'm just gonna follow you around for a little bit, see what you're doing. She does. She loves to just shove her face in Frankie's face. (laughs) (laughs) And she just wags her tail like, oh my God, you're so cool. And Frankie's like, whatever. It's just like high school, basically. I just, I didn't, I never really thought of Zelda as a nerd until we got the cat. And in other news, Kelly and I watched a YouTube video. And in this YouTube video, they broke down 10 genres that are dead. Yes. One of them was crunk. And Kelly is quite upset about this. Well, I kind of had a come to Jesus moment because when it popped up with crunk, I like stood up in my chair and said, crunk's not dead. You know, Three Six Mafia, a lot of my favorite rappers are crunk. And then I realized like, oh shit, it is. Rap's not really crunk anymore, nor has it been in some time. Yeah, Kelly finally felt like her somewhat arch nemesis, the out-of-touch guy yelling that music used to be good. (laughs) And she decided on this day that she was going to be a necromancer of crunk. (laughs) And I'm here to say it is not working. Yeah, R.I.P. Crunk. (laughs) (laughs) It was fun while it lasted. Kelly held a seance. We're in hopes that things can, you know, come along. But I have to say, I guess I'm in the minority among my peers, but I'm pretty happy with the direction rap is going. I I read this discussion on Reddit, but I think it's really true. I may have talked about it on this podcast before, but anyway, SoundCloud rap, mumble rap, it's kind of the new punk rock of rap. Hmm. It's mostly... Guys making music in their house, they're not necessarily as technically or as lyrically talented as their predecessors, but they're putting out fun, catchy shit, and people like that. Also, something interesting about music today is that I have noticed songs are getting a lot shorter. They kind of ride around the two-minute mark now, whereas... Just like old Misfits. Exactly. I mean, historically, songs are, you know, three and a half minutes. That's the sweet spot. Two minutes is the sweet spot now. And that's because we've shifted into streaming music. So the shorter the song, the more likely it's going to be replayed, the more streams you're going to get. Ooh. Yeah. That's actually really clever. Yeah, I think so too. And I think 3-6 Mafia, they started, they had egg crates on the walls to do their sound dampening. Like, if you could see our jank-ass setup, <laughs> we are, my brother-in-law is a big fan of, like, 3-6 and whatnot, and he listened to it back when you had to get it as a burn CD, and you got it from the kids that you played sports with in Memphis. Yeah. And, yeah, he was like, hey, you could do the 3-6 Mafia, when he saw our setup, he was like, you could do the 3-6 Mafia setup and put egg crates up. And I was like, dude, I gotta live here. (laughs) (laughs) And then recently, Colin has been making fun of our jank-ass setup so much that he was, like, actively researching how to improve it. Yeah, that's, I guess that's next on our list of investments, but... I think our sound is pretty good. Do you think our sound is pretty good? Southernhills at gmail.com. It has certainly gotten better over the past year. Oh, yeah. Lots better. But, okay, one more thing about 3-6 Mafia. Something else I've noticed lately is that rappers really evoke this occultic symbolism. You know, Satan's really trendy right now. 3-6 Mafia was the first to do that. It's in their fucking name. 3-6 Mafia. 6-6-6 Mafia. I don't know what genre they would be, but... I'm not huge into rap, but the last rap group that I got into was Flatbush Zombies. No fucking idea. (laughs) It sounds very Rachel. They were pretty cool. (laughs) But yeah, same thing. Occultism in their their lyrics, as it were. Word. So welcome back to Southern Hells. I'm Kelly. And I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about... Titties. (laughs) 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 We were going to talk about bras, but you can't really talk about bras without talking about boobs. So this is the boobisode. And it turns out, as much as they're fun to look at and as interesting as they are in general, titties genuinely are just fucking interesting. Like from a cultural standpoint to an evolutionary standpoint. Yes, yes, yes. We're in strange times today. Tits aren't really as in vogue as they used to be. So we're going to talk about the cultural decline 
of boobs and bras and some of the weird effects that's had on our culture, I guess. Yeah. Actually, before I forget, this is not even in our like notes. I literally just read this and kind of laughed. Humans are the only species that play with titties for sexual pleasure or stimulate them in any way, shape, or form. And we're the only ones that prior to being pregnant, they get big. Interesting. Yeah. And the theory is that, well, of course, that that it would get so wrapped up into our sexuality and everything else with all of that going on. If you're into nipple play at all, it's because the parts of your brain that are stimulated when you breastfeed are linked to like oxytocin and bonding and the hypothalamus. So Interesting. Well, I I didn't do any note taking about this, but I just know from previous studies that, okay, traits that separate males from females, that's called sexual dimorphism. And human breasts are a pretty extreme form of sexual dimorphism. And like, those are typically the traits that attract one sex to another. Ooh. Like, here's a totally anecdotal example. I love big arms on guys because I don't possess big arms. And just, you know, it's a really strong hypermasculine thing. But even when a girl has big arms, I'm into that too. Huh. Not into it when guys have tits though. So there you go. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I like chunky dudes. I mean, yeah. Which, uh, funny story, maybe that will tie into a point I make later. As Kelly and I say when we are talking to each other, saving it for the podcast. <laughs> When I looked up the history of bras, it started out with me looking up who ha- held the original patent, and her name is Caress Crosby, born Mary Phelps Jacob. I don't know how her name became Caress Crosby. That well, is that name's a lot cooler. True. And um, she was the first recipient of a patent for the modern bra, an American patron of the arts, publisher, and the literary godmother to the lost generation of expats in Paris. Her and her husband started Black Sun Press, which was instrumental in publishing some of the early works of Ernest Hemingway, Archibald McLeish, hmm. Henry Miller, Charles Bukowski. So pretty wow. much all the dirty dirties. Fitting. Right? And something that interested me and is probably totally unsurprising because women's underwear is always a socioeconomic Thing. The history of bras is a part of social history and it's linked to the status of a woman, including the evolution and changing views of the female body. Hmm. I did read when I was researching today that that the bra itself, it was kind of a step away from the corset. Women used to wear corsets and that was their undergarments. And, you know, they're really difficult to put on and take off. They caused a litany of health issues. And they're just really uncomfortable. When the bra came out, it was seen as like this super almost liberating garment. Whoa. Irony. Because now we're like, fucking take that shit off. (laughs) Except for me, where I went from having small titties to big titties. And I'm like, God, they're so sweaty now. I I wrap them in cotton every day of my life. I can't handle the skin on skin sweat. Yeah. Bra or bikini-like garments are depicted in some female athletes of the Minoan civilization in the 14th century B.C., So wrapping up your titties goes way back. I mean, especially for athletes. That shit hurts. Yeah. I would have no idea. Maybe now, like, if I go for a run or something, I might. I can't. Two sports bra runner right here. (laughs) (laughs) I have some male friends who have explained the nature of nipple chafing. Like, for ultra marathon runner type dudes, they're like, yeah, they just bleed. Oh, God. God. What the fuck? I was like, do you not do, like, nipple pasties or something? I mean, just saying. And the original patent holder for the clasp that goes in the back of the bra, I thought this was super legit. Mark motherfucking Twain. What? Yeah. His note is, the nature of my invention consists in an adjustable and detachable elastic strap for vests, pantaloon, or other garments requiring straps, as will be here and after, more fully set forth. And then he explained how it could be used for vests and whatnot. Nope, it's bras. That's where you know it from. Wow. Amazing. Yeah, so that's my little history of knocker holders. Well, the reason I wanted to do this episode is because we've mentioned a few times on air that I am bra-free and I'm all about the bra-free movement. I really hate bras. I'm aware that that's kind of a cultural phenomenon. A lot of millennial women are going braless. For me, I have some shirts where I'm like, yeah, you guys look good in this shirt. And then other shirts where I'm like, okay, this is not not doing my best work here. Oh God. Yeah, same. Especially at work. I do wear either a bralette or a light sports bra at work just so I'm not obscene. (laughs) Everyone is now envisioning Kelly's knockers in a lab coat. (laughs) I get enough messages about that shit already. Do not 
message me about my boobs in a lab coat. Yeah. Dick pics are still welcome. (laughs) Glorifying lab coat titty. Unwelcome. We're drawing lines here. It's been done. It's just trite at this point. (laughs) Something else I love is validation. And I read this report from USA Today about millennials going braless. And they pointed out that in 2016, there was a 56% increase in shoppers looking for bralettes. A lot of men don't understand the difference between a bra and a bralette. A bra is structured. It usually has metal underwire. The elastic rests a lot more, as Kelly put it, structured. It has to rest in a very specific way for it to be comfortable, like as far as you have to adjust your straps to put it in position. Yes, and the cups are almost always lightly padded. So there's just more to it. Whereas a bralette is made out of lace. It's a lace band and very flimsy lace cups. It gives very light support and keeps your nipples from showing, but it's not the structured hell of a normal bra. Yes. And as soon as I got my first bralette, I was like, this is a game changer. I'm never going back to bras. And apparently a lot of other women made that same decision. You can't really think about bras, at least in this country, without thinking about Victoria's Secret. And I was curious about what's going on with Victoria's Secret in the light of this bra-free movement. I found this article on CNN. Victoria's Secret owner is the S&P 500's worst stock. Ooh. Yeah. So Victoria's Secret is owned by L Brands. And that brand owns Victoria's Secret, Victoria's Secret Pink, and Bath & Body Works. I believe they used to own The Limited before The Limited shuttered its doors. I didn't even know The Limited was gone. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I never shopped there, so I guess it didn't affect me. So L brand stock, which is abbreviated to LB, it's down nearly 50% this year. It is the worst performer in the S&P 500 for 2018. And the biggest reason for this is that Victoria's Secret is suffering. So Victoria's Secret is finally facing competition. Uh, A big one is Amazon. And also we were talking about Earlier, American Eagle has their Aerie line. Aerie is my jam! Yeah, so those competitors and a litany of others, they're taking sales away from Victoria's Secret. And also, Victoria's Secret, I say this as a millennial woman, they're just not... It's not fashionable anymore. That's not the style that our peers want. No, their options are matronly or teenagers that want to... Like, are I have sex teenagers. Exactly. I I will say I do buy most of my bralettes and panties from pink whatever, but Victoria's Secret itself, every time I go in there, I just think this is all so dated and the bras are always hyper-structured and like fucking bedazzled and stuff. I don't yeah. like that anymore. No, I don't either. And it it makes no sense to me because their price point is also really high. Yes. So... It would be different if I went there and it was like, okay, this is the Cadillac of bras, but it's not. I get the same quality bra at Aerie for half the price. Right. And they, I don't think they keep their finger on the pulse. I think they're just churning out iterations of the same aesthetic for the past 40 years. And if you haven't paid the least bit of attention, you know that kink is now mainstream. I want strappy. If I'm going to throw down money on lingerie, I want strappy or kinky or edgy I don't want frilly pink lace anymore. No, and for me, I prefer vintage looks. Ooh, that's another really trendy look that I forget about. Yeah, and they don't have that market either. No, so I genuinely don't know who they're for at this point. Right. Like if I mean, when I think Victoria's Secret, I think MILFs from 1999. Yeah, you're pretty much right. I think about the teenage girls in my high school who would wear the thongs that you could just barely see that said pink or they'd carry like the pink bag yeah and they were literally just trying to say i fuck <laughs> like and it didn't even i was like i i don't get it no one gives a shit maybe someone gives a shit maybe i'm wrong i don't know i will say pink makes my favorite underwear i really like them i get the ones without the giant glittery logos because that's obnoxious but yeah the pink clothing i don't buy because it has giant fucking logos on it which is another millennial pet peeve we don't really like giant glittery logos anymore i don't no, know who it, the fuck's buying it's that it's kind of cringy yeah it literally is like i went to the mall <laughs> exactly <laughs> I leave my house sometimes. No one gives a shit. You could have ordered that on Amazon. Well, not Amazon for that. See, they're just trying to say they don't order on Amazon. Also, it's funny because Victoria's Secret is owned by Bath & Body Works. And actually, Bath & Body Works sales are up. 
they went up 6% in April. They're doing great, but I will go to Bath and Body Works and buy their body products, but I won't buy Victoria's Secret's body products because I just associate it with like super perfumed old lady smells. Yeah. So it's probably the same shit, but whatever. Since I'm becoming increasingly moderately granola, I learned that a lot of heavily, like heavily, heavily perfumed body wash stuff has phthalates and phthalates are linked to what was it bpa and the being an endocrine interrupter phthalates are the same thing they're banned in europe wow so i they may not have them in their products but i've been like following what stuff has it in it and i was pretty surprised like my saint ives stuff that i was using i think had phthalates. oh my gosh i think saint ives don't sue me i did say i think yeah, I definitely need to look into that. And I mean, I would probably go to Bath and Body Works if it was like, hey, come get your real stinky shit here, phthalate free. I'd be like, fuck yeah. Yeah. Because all the granola stuff is like not very scented and I don't like that either. I would rather have something that smells good, but also doesn't give me diabetes because that's one of the <laughs> things it was linked to. It was like insulin resistance and phthalates. That's one of the recent studies. Come on, science. It has to be possible. Can we please? Well, I go to Bath and Body Works because I get coupons from them and I'm a frugal ass bitch. Yeah, she really is. That's. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. One time I, I had to stop myself, but this was the best day ever. So I got a coupon in the mail. It was like free item from Bath and Body Works. Go to Bath and Body Works. I get my free item. And then when I check out, it prints out a coupon for another free item. And then when I got another one, it printed out a coupon for another free item. It was like a glitch in the matrix. <laughs> I, I eventually had to just fucking stop. Oh my God. Because I was embarrassed. <laughs> You're like, okay, I'm just going to go get something else now. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's interesting that this bat, I, I wish I would have gotten the number. I wonder if bra sales are down across the board or only at Victoria's Secret. Ooh. Because I know that bralette sales are up like in the hundreds of percent compared to just a few years ago. Yeah. So it, it seems that more women are just moving away from the old school bra and moving toward lighter support. Well, since I am in a uh, milk titty town, <laughs> I've been wearing just really comfy bras lately. And then maternity clothes are fucking bullshit. That's like mm -hmm. what I am getting at here. They're boring. They're frumpy. And it's so ironic because they're, again, to use the word, matronly. And I'm not... It's not like I suddenly became a 55-year-old housewife just because I got pregnant. Like, I'm still interested in the same types of clothes I was before I got pregnant. So it right. really irritated the piss out of me. So I have been in a very jeans and t-shirt stage of my life, which is pretty much just like, well, fuck it. Then I'm wearing easy bras. But finally, I was like, I am tired of viewing my titties in a very utilitarian fashion right now. I want to see pretty titties. So I went and I bought, you know, like a structured, nice... It had lace cups and an underwire but it was still not like a crazy lingerie style bra it was just a typical bra right and i promptly threw that shit out the fucking window oh no because oh my god after you have freed your titties into the world of bralettes it's like just wearing it i was like god this is awful yes i i still have a number of push-up bras but the only time I ever wear them is if I'm going clubbing or if I'm doing something which I want to have a lot of cleavage. Yeah, they're outfit specific. Yes, exactly. But then as soon as the night is over, I want that shit off. Like, yeah. I cannot imagine wearing one for a whole day anymore. Same. That's where I'm at. And it is kind of fun. It's <laughs> I like that it has become less the undergarment that you wear every day, you know, like typical underwear and right. more like... I want to put my titties on a shelf. Yeah, this is special occasion <laughs> shit now. This is top shelf titty. Usually we're going like, you know, well whiskey titty. <laughs> okay, on the note of bras being less popular, that could be a symptom of just millennials are not that into boobs anymore. We are the ass loving generation. We love to brag about eating ass on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> there are entire songs dedicated to booties and groceries. Okay, look. If you've never checked it out, Pornhub has a website called Pornhub Insights, and they post statistical analyses of all sorts of different search terms. Like, Oh my god, I'm so excited right now. It's fascinating. So, you you, so now you're a porn intellectual too? Yes! <laughs> so I got on Pornhub today to look at their breast search statistics. Yes! Because I wanted to validate that millennials aren't really into boobs anymore because I, you've probably seen that clickbait article floating around, but fuck that shit. I don't cite that shit. At least I try not to. Yeah, every now and then. Yeah. Rarely. Yeah. <laughs> but I went right to the source. 
Yes, according to Pornhub, overall breast searches only make up about 1.5% of all searches on the website. That's shockingly low. Yeah, no kidding. And breast searches are most popular among age groups over the age of 35. Oh. Yeah, so... I'm not saying that that's old. I'm just saying that's not millennial. Exactly. So millennials aged 18 to 34 are way less likely to search for either big or small breasts. 18 to 24 is 19% less likely to search for breasts in other age group. 55 to 64 is 17% more likely. So old men still into tits. Millennials not into tits. Or at least not as into tits. I wonder how porn has shaped this because I remember I was probably a teenager if I was even a teenager there was the natural titties and porn movement do you remember that no well hello I do I remember a shift like when I was a teenager the porn star was Jenna Jameson Jenna Jameson was the you know blonde tan huge fake boobs porn star and then what 10 years later the biggest one was Sasha Gray who's well she probably got her ass done but otherwise entirely natural yeah, I remember watching a thing about um, these guys coming out with a porn company dedicated to natural bodies. And then they were showing like, we don't like big fake boobs. And it was kind of right around the girls gone wild. Oh. So I kind of wonder if internet culture has shifted that because before you would have porn stars and they were girls with big fake boobs and they were like this class of people. And now you just have college girl flies to Miami, thinks she's getting a modeling gig, does porn for a year, and then is like, you know what, maybe I don't want to be a porn star. And then she goes away and you just have these like, this constant windmill. of Yeah, this constant revolving door. Yeah. Man, yeah, Girls Gone Wild was super revolutionary. And I, that's a great point. I wonder how much that has to do with our shift in taste because more and more we're into real girls, natural girls, at least girls that look natural. Yeah. Which actually, that brings me to my next point. So I also wanted to know, okay, we're less less concerned about tits. So are people still getting as many boob jobs? Because that was a plastic surgery du jour of yesteryear. And I, I had this preconceived notion that boob jobs are out, butt jobs are in. But that's not really true. So since 2006, breast augmentation has been the most popular cosmetic surgical procedure every year. Oh, and I got this information from moneyish.com. This piece was written by Nicole Lynn Page. It's called It's B-Cup or Bust. I remember when I had a B-Cup. <laughs> this article is from 2016 and it cites studies conducted by the Plastic Surgeon Association. So I looked up two years, 2016 and 2017, and compared. I wanted to see if we're getting less boob jobs. And no, we're actually getting more. So yeah, and it's shot up a lot since 2000. So in 2000, there were 212,500 breast augmentations. In 2016, there were 290,467. And in 2017, there were 300,378. So the number of boob jobs is rising. But here's what's interesting. The requested cup sizes are shrinking. So historically, when a woman got a boob job, she wanted, you know, fucking knockers, D cups. And now boob jobs are trending around the B cup, C cup range. So women, even when they get implants, they want smaller, more natural looking boobs. They don't want it to look like they got a boob job. I also had to look up butt jobs. (laughs) (laughs) And... Yeah, so buttock implants themselves are down 56%. So there were 2,999 in 2016. And then last year, there were only 1,323. But I think that's because the nature of the procedure has changed. So instead of just getting implants, people get butt lifts, which I think is where the fat is just moved to the butt. I don't know how it works, but butt lifts are shooting up. So in 2000, there was 1,356. In 2017, there was 4,804. Wow. Yeah. Man, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of um, suddenly fine asses. I really like this quote from Tina Fey in Bossy Pants. I'm not going to fully quote it because I don't have it on hand, but the idea was in her day, you had girls who were rail thin, tiny ass, huge tits. And then you could look at that girl and say, I'm not that. I can't be that. And then you would move on and build your self-esteem in other ways. And our generation is so ass-obsessed and not titty-obsessed that it's a standard that you're expected to work toward. If you don't have an ass, you're supposed to be doing squats. 
if your thighs are too big and you're looking for thigh gap, that's a goal you're supposed to be working towards. She was like, you can't just accept your body anymore. You're supposed to be working on it constantly. Yeah, I go on a whole rant about that because I hate that this big ass worship is masquerading as body positivity because it's really not because the girl's expected to have, you know, an hourglass shape or at least a small waist and a huge ass, which is a anatomical rarity. Yeah, and then it's like, well, just do squats. Okay, you're not going to make your ass grow by doing squats unless you're lifting some serious weight. So you're basically telling women to go spend hours at the gym so that your ass looks the way that I would like it to look. Yeah. And instead, I want to play video games. (laughs) (laughs) So suck it. Oh, I didn't get this number either. I really wanted to. But here's something funny. Um, okay, so maybe bra sales are down, but you know what I get advertised for all the fucking time? Butt lifting panties. It's like (laughs) it's shapewear essentially, but the butt, like the two orbs are made out of pantyhose material, so it kind of squeezes your butt into this perfect round shape. It's a push-up bra for your ass. This has become the ass and titties episode. (laughs) Ass and titties. Ass, ass and titties. And yeah, whatever. Yeah, asses are cool. Not having one is just as cool. Yes, and it's become like the new body shaming du jour. I see every day on social media, there's some meme or some candid picture of a girl with a flat ass with people making jokes about it or laughing about it. Miley Cyrus is a great example. She did look like raw chicken in pants. (laughs) (laughs) But that's beside the point. Yeah. I am body shaming Miley Cyrus. I am sorry, Miley Cyrus. You were not listening to this podcast anyway. (laughs) But it's only women. It only happens to women. I never get, I never see men shamed for having a flat ass or for not doing squats. I have heard someone joke about someone having calluses on their ass because their ass was so small. (laughs) And it was a dude. And that was pretty funny. Okay, that is funny. Colin has a bubble butt and I'm into it. I think I have mentioned that repeatedly on this podcast. (laughs) You have too. (laughs) But yeah, I just think it's really rude and I don't think there's any, it's like men think that oh, I'm not like this asshole. I'm different for saying, no, I don't like tits. I like big asses. Okay, like what you like, but when you say things like that or post memes like that, you're essentially body shaming women who don't look like that. Yeah. It just annoys me. Maybe I'm too sensitive. No, I think body shaming in general is annoying. And I've even gotten to the point where someone pointed out that making fun of dudes with tiny dicks is body shaming. And now I'm like, that was fun. It was a fun time in my life that I got to do that. God, I hate to say it, but yeah, that was kind of my gut response to this whole fucking Donald Trump and Toad from Mario Kart situation. I was thinking, okay, on the one hand, that's hilarious. But on the other, I don't want to shame men with mushroom dicks. (laughs) So where do we go from here? (laughs) We can go straight to not fucking porn stars while your wife is pregnant. (laughs) True. That's like, the fact that he is the face of the evangelical right is never going to make, like, the man fucked porn stars. Yeah. They you guys don't even like porn. What's her face? Marsha Blackburn blamed porn for school shootings. Oh my God. Yeah. So let's just, I don't, I don't, how, you guys are anti-porn. Your president fucks porn. You make no goddamn sense to me. The cognitive dissonance is astounding. We can go there right now. Before we forget a point that I wanted to make that I thought was, hilarious on the topic of men body shaming and the like. A 2013 study published in the journal Archives of Sexual Behavior surveyed over 300 white men aged 18 to 68, and they were shown 3D models of women with a range of breast sizes. They were asked to identify which women they found most attractive, followed by completing a survey measuring hostility and attitudes toward women, relationships, benevolent sexism, and how much a man objectified a woman. The study found men who have sexist views toward women are most likely to find big breasts attractive. Oh, God. (laughs) These men admitted to displaying behavioral traits of sexism and hostile attitudes toward women. Moreover, men perceived women with large and very large breasts with traditional femininity and as meek and weak. So somehow having huge knockers makes you meek and also weak. I don't get that at all. I don't understand why you would make that connection. Because if a girl has got huge knockers, then she's probably... She's got a strong fucking back, (laughs) for one. Yeah, for one. And she probably has, you know, some degree of confidence. I'm just guessing. I think the answer you're looking for is, with respect to the men in my life that I respect, 
They're fucking idiots. <laughs> true, true. And yeah, I guess they probably associate bigger tits with more traditional gender roles or whatever. Well, this is a much, much smaller study, but I liked it just as much. I wish they would do a huge study of this because it would be interesting. I briefly looked into evolutionary psychology and titties. <laughs> Was that your search term? <laughs> evolutionary psychology and titties. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. 266 Malaysian men whose socioeconomic status ranged from poor to wealthy were surveyed on their preference for large or small breasts. The wealthy dudes like smaller breasts and everyone in the middle like middle class dudes like larger breasts. Poor dudes like knockers. Wow. And then the researchers showed the photos to 66 Englishmen who were hungry and 58 who had just eaten compared with the satiated men. Those who felt hungry rated larger breasts significantly more attractive. Wow. Yeah, which is interesting because on the topic of evolutionary psychology and titties, what you always hear is men love titties because they represent female fertility. And whatever I was reading, I'm not going to cite it because my notes are goddamn chaos right now, but it basically said that just like any penis, any size penis can make a baby, any size titty can make milk. Right. And the thought isn't that men were looking at women back in, you know, the BC days and saying, oh, she's more likely to have my babies. They were saying, that bitch is fucking fed. Because if you're <laughs> <laughs> having more weight on your body gives you bigger titties and it implies that your family or whatever has a caloric reserve. So you're, Makes sense. Yeah, so you're more likely to be able to be fed by her family and she's more likely to be able to feed your offspring. Wow, it's fascinating that that evolutionary response has carried over today. Yeah, hungry dudes are like, I fucking love titties, man. Which would explain why poor people are just like, the bigger the better. <laughs> I had a friend who is traditionally super broke. And again, anecdotally, he loves big titties. And whenever we were talking about breast implants, he was like, those are an investment. <laughs> uh. Okie dokie. Yeah, so. That's fascinating. It, it, doesn't it sound so much more respectable? Oh, it's a sign of fertility. Instead, they're just like, I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I could really go for a snack. Look, there's some big titties. Oh my God. So I was very recently, like last week, cat called, which is always the worst. But this was a new one for me. And I swear to God, this group of men, well, their ringleader said, she real healthy. <laughs> And I was thinking, that's the most literal cat call I've ever received. <laughs> You're like, thanks, I take a multivitamin? I don't know. <laughs> no scurvy here. <laughs> Spine is real straight. <laughs> so I wonder, I wonder if our shifting obsession with small boobs has anything to do with the obesity epidemic. Whoa, we're all super fed now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not an issue anymore. We're going to be eating. Yeah, don't even sweat it. We are post-scarcity in this bitch. These studies suggest resource security plays a role in men's breast size preferences. Hmm. Hmm. Fascinating. So this is why all these broke dudes keep hitting me up. That's what I was going to say. So let's get this straight. Sexist, broke-ass motherfuckers are out there hitting up the big titty bitches. Okay, so my last bit. Um, yeah, I was kind of all over the place. I wanted to read about Victoria's Secret. I wanted to read about plastic surgery. And I wanted to read about Hooters. Because Hooters is one of those chains that keeps popping up whenever I read about millennials killing, you know, Applebee's. I see a lot about Hooters is dying. So I was thinking that would tie in really well to this. But that's actually not entirely true. So there's a really great article written by Kristen Baller for Money Magazine. It's called Hooters is the proudly tacky restaurant chain that just won't die. Here's how it's thriving against all odds. And what this person did, uh, she was in New York City and she s walked past Manhattan's very last Hooters. And she thought, fuck it, I'm going to go to Hooters. <laughs> and then when she went inside, she realized this place is packed and it was full of families with children and couples. And it wasn't full of rowdy dudes, which is what I would expect to go to Hooters. It was full of families. She investigated Hooters. <laughs> <laughs> and... If you do some research on Hooters, you'll read what I read today that a lot of stores are closing. It's like 5 or 7% in the past few years, but those stores are franchises. Hooters corporate chains are growing, so they have over 200, and just in the past year, they've opened more than a dozen. Huh. So on a corporate scale, it's getting bigger. 
And this was shocking. It's one of the highest grossing restaurants in the country. And Hooters beat sales at Dave & Buster's, Chuck E. Cheese, and the Hard Rock Cafe. Dave & Buster's forever. Yeah, they... They beat the Hard Rock Cafe. Oh my... Yeah, but Dave and Buster's, Kelly. <laughs> yeah, that was shocking too. And fucking Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> so how? How is Hooters still doing so well? Because we know that... Millennials aren't that into chains. Right. They're not that into chains. They're not that into casual sit-down dining. And they're not that into um, boobs. And also, just the idea of a restaurant is unpalatable to a lot of millennials. So yeah, this company, by all intents and purposes, should be failing. Yeah. But what they've done is they've doubled down on their food. So they started a delivery business that is not delivered by Hooters Girls. And Thank God. That is a rape fest. <laughs> right. But their delivery business grew 30% in 2017, and they focused on... Mixing up their menu, like adding healthier items and updating their interior so that it looks less like, you know, your dad's favorite restaurant from the 80s. So they've done some small changes like that. But this author's theory is that, okay, Hooters, it, it is strip club light. When you go there, you know you're going to have a pretty waitress. You know she's going to sit at your table and talk to you. They're actually required to sit and chat with every table. And And their hair is required to be down. Yes, they have all these weird rules. But the service is going to be excellent. You don't go to Hooters and get bad service. That's It's it's strip club light. Whoa. You're going to be doted on. And then you combine that with the prices aren't really expensive. So it's a draw to families. They make the quote, how many restaurants have both a booster seat and a written policy for how hot your waitress has to be? (laughs) (laughs) So I thought that was kind of baffling. That is. I really want to go to Hooters now. I'm not into their food. Like, I've never been. I like me some chicken wings. <laughs> I don't like their wings because that's like their staple is their yeah. wings. And they're not they're not that good. I don't know. I don't like buffalo wild wings either. I know the one time I was going to go, we looked at the menu and there was nothing vegetarian. That was also over a decade ago. There's probably something vegetarian on the menu now. I'll go to Hooters with you. Yes. We'll take Tulip. Okay. Yeah. I, I really liked their episode of Undercover Boss, which is a really cool show. I'm sorry. I, I don't watch trash tv generally and that's it's just cool to see like the yankee candle episode was really good too hmm it's really cool to see the ceo or whatever of a company go work in their store especially if you've ever done a retail job yeah totally yeah so it's a cool show suck it anyway on the hooters episode the guy was like he has daughters and it's one of his things that people you know well, would you let your daughter be a Hooters girl? And he's like, absolutely, if that's what she wants to do, which I like because it's very Madonna-esque pro-feminism where we're free to be modest or slutty. Like, you're you're just free to be. Yeah. The manager at this restaurant got fucking fired because he was a shitty shitbag to his waitresses. Someone had to be cut from the floor, and rather than it be like, okay, well, you know, you guys draw straws or whatever – he was like, play my reindeer games. He made them eat beans with their faces. Like, what the not, hell? They weren't allowed to use silverware. And whoever ate the beans the fastest got to go home. And all the girls were super annoyed and they didn't want to. And it was very clear that he was just being that sexist dude who is like, yeah, I'm in a place of power. Yeah, he had a fucking power. humiliation fetish. Yeah. I'm in a place of power, so I'm going to be an asshole to these girls. And he even, like, was talking shit about the girls. These girls are divas, and they're just bratty. And and the girls were all being completely reasonable. They were like, we don't want to do this. Ugh. Actually, I read a different article today. This was in GQ, and I ended up not using it. But it was about Hooters. And, okay, do you remember the movie Big Daddy fucking Adam Sandler? Yeah, before he started doing movies for his kids. Yes. Well, in that movie, his ex-girlfriend works at Hooters. She's a fucking law... Or, I'm sorry, she worked at Hooters. She's a fucking lawyer and very successful and intelligent. But when she was in college, she worked at Hooters. And that's the running joke. Whatever, Hooters. And then at the end of the movie, when he sees her working at Hooters, like, that's justice, you know? Yeah. And... I never thought about that before, but yeah, they were making the point that um, this film was finding shame in working at Hooters and working at a place that... It was lowbrow. Yes, and I guess using your sexuality in some way. Has nothing to do with this topic, but I was very annoyed. Well, I mean, that is fucking annoying, and I 
I do like Hooters for that reason. It is, you can choose to work there. And I've known people who chose to work there because they were big titty girls who had to pay for their college. Like, if that's what you feel comfortable doing, it's not like, I, I used to have a running partner. I am not a runner, but I would go running on occasion, inhaler in hand. And she was this uber, uber Christian kid. And she wouldn't wear sports bras because you could see her nipple. She would wear full support bra to go running. Oof. Yeah. And that, I mean, on the one hand, that bothered me because it was like she had been, I think it bothered me because it felt like some kind of shame that had been instilled in her. Yeah. Like modesty from a place of shame rather than modesty from a place of, no, this is what makes me feel comfortable. Right. So it bothered me on that hand. But on the same hand, I would be bothered by someone being forced to work at Hooters to pay the bills. Again, I just want the free to be. And I never worked at Hooters. I worked in grocery stores. That's what I was comfortable with. I have never worked at Hooters. I don't think I ever could work at Hooters. Not because I'm uncomfortable showing my titties. We all know that's not the case. They are required to sit and chat with every table. Like their service requirements are so far elevated beyond a normal server that, no, I couldn't fucking do it. No, that would be introvert hell. Yes. And actually, I remember us debating when we were broke-ass college students, are we to the stripping point of our life? (laughs) And I think we both decided we couldn't do it because we couldn't be, again, like you said, not that we were ashamed or that we felt that we should be, that we would be doing anything wrong. It was just that we didn't want to talk to people on that level. Exactly. If I just had to go swing around a pole and shake my ass in people's face hell yeah but you have to like talk to them and i realized the extent of this when i went to a strip club the girls they're circling around they just come and sit by everyone and make a conversation and they're trying to sell their dances and that's introvert hell like you said (laughs) (laughs) i would just be the one sitting there like yo y'all know where i am yeah just you know i hope that we get to a place where women are not shamed for doing that kind of work because there are a lot of naive girls like if you watch the documentary hot girls wanted on netflix um i can't think of her name but the chick that was the nurse on parks and rec she produced that documentary and it's about Mm. um amateur porn and like the, the porn stars that you see these days the Revolving door. It's kind of a bummer that girls, they are making a choice to do that. They have decided they are comfortable with it. And then they come out and have to like shake off the stigma. They have to say, oh, I was young. I didn't know any better. It would be pretty cool if we got to a place where it was like, yeah, she did that. And that's what she wanted to do at the time. And now she's moved on to do other things. Like one girl was funding her degree in marine biology. There will be a time in her life probably where she goes for her PhD maybe. And then she becomes a published researcher. It would be really shitty for someone to be like, oh, I looked her up and I saw her porn. Right. And then her get shamed for that. It would be cool if we got to a place where girls were like, yeah, that's a thing that I did and then I moved on. I mean, I feel like that's the best response, you know, when you are inevitably hit with some asshole being like, well, explain this. Just be like, yeah, I did that. I'm an adult. I do what I want. Yeah. It just, it takes all of the fight out of them if you feel no shame for that. But yeah, I can say that as a 31-year-old woman who, if someone came out with a titty picture from my youth, I'd be just like, yeah, you're welcome. Fuck you. (laughs) Can I have that back? I was kind of curious what they looked like at the time and I didn't save any copies. But yeah, I I read this story a year or two ago and I found it pretty devastating. A 19-year-old girl answered a call for some, you know, stupid casting video. She shot a porno and then it came out and like within days, all of her classmates knew and were tweeting it and sharing it and she shot herself in the head. See, that's what... Free to be. If you want to be in porn, be in porn. It bothers me that just about everyone consumes porn, but we still are in a place where we stigmatize girls doing it. Yeah. It's like, well, you're consuming it. Someone has to do it. I think that it's a perfectly respectable thing if she wants to sell her body in that way. She's doing it in the safety of, you know, that I'm relative safe. Maybe we should just start a porn company. Maybe that's where we're at. We're just going to start a feminist porn company. We should at least do a porn episode. Ooh, that'd be fun. Do you want to come work for us? Do you want to shoot porn? We're trying to destigmatize porn. Dude, that would be fucking awesome. Southern Hills! Oh yeah, my what god. Do you, what do you think about Southern Hills porn company? Drop us a line. Southernhills <laughs> at gmail.com. And then I will inevitably get the, well, how would you feel about your daughter doing it? And the answer is, I'm going to raise her to make her own choices. That is the one thing I want. If she doesn't feel comfortable with it, she doesn't feel comfortable with it. Right. I want for her to make informed choices with her body. It is not mine. I do not own her. And that's the same thing basically that the Hooters guy said. And I'll say it again. Anything is better than being in a pyramid scheme. I have said this. (laughs) (laughs) 
I have said this quote to Rachel. There is less shame in sucking dick than there is in being in a pyramid scheme. Like, I would rather get online and be like, yeah, I suck dick for money than be like, buy my mascara. Yeah, I'm making negative no money. I'm in actual debt working 40 hours a week. And I, Lou LaRoe Hall. (laughs) Yeah, this is going to be a big cultural shift, but I think it's already happening. And I think as women, the biggest weapon you can have is just pride. If, If I feel no shame in what I do, then someone else deflecting that on me isn't going to affect me. Yeah. So whatever. It really bothers me that porn is very classist. You are inevitably watching poor women. Yeah. Like, if it weren't stigmatized, then it could be a choice. It could be, oh, well, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to make money, and that's what I wanted to do. But instead it is, I didn't have money at the time. My family couldn't afford to put me through college, so I did porn. So again, if we chip away at the stigma, we can get rich bitches doing porn too. Everybody does porn now. (laughs) (laughs) Rachel's utopia. (laughs) Not really. Everyone who wants to do porn does porn. For me, I really liked working in the grocery store, so. (laughs) Well, I fucking hated retail, but like I said, introvert. Yeah. I I liked it. It, I don't. Anyway. (laughs) For our concluders, I read some hilarious bullshit. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I follow our incels and our incel tears. Oh, I don't follow our incels anymore because they took that shit private. But it should be no surprise to any of our listeners that any person, male or female, who speaks their opinion with any manner of authority on how a woman should or should not use, exist, or be seen in her body will inevitably send Kelly and I into a fit of absolute rage. (laughs) Yeah. But on the topic of tits, the number of dudes who think it's okay to shame a girl for having breast reduction is, to throw back to a meme of antiquity, too damn high. Yeah, they're probably the fucking reason she wanted it. Right? Stop ogling my tit. Well, um, ain't nobody ogling these titties. <laughs> they are overshadowed by my giant baby bump. So anyway, I'm going to read you this post. Actually, I'm going to read you a couple of posts. One's from Reddit and one's from Facebook. Um, You know, straight ladies that get breast reductions are being very selfish to their lovers or whoever I think they're spelled like... A place you would go to and not of ownership. Of course it is. Because you're a fucking idiot, whoever you are. Us men don't care if er in discomfort because ew have big breasts. We need those big boobies for many things. Many things, Kelly. They are multi-purpose. So many. So many things. So many things involving your genitals. Just like any size penis can make a baby. Any size titty can make baby food. Ask yourself this question. Do you think it's comfortable for us men to have our dick hanging in between our legs? With a pair of balls walking around all day, sitting down, doing shit all the time? Truth be told, having a dick can be just as annoying as having big breasts. But it doesn't mean we get penis reduction surgery. And I'm almost a thousand percent positive you wouldn't appreciate that either. Think about it. Okay, if your balls were so fucking big that they, like, caused you physical pain and people were staring, you might think about it. Yeah, yeah. So that made me think, what, what, what is the actual reason women get breast reduction surgery? Having very large breasts can place excess weight on the chest. Without enough support from the surrounding muscles and the rest of the body, the weight of the breast can cause severe pain, make it difficult to maintain good posture, and even lead to spinal deformity. Ooh. Yeah, so basically... Go fuck yourself there, Mr. Man. Um, one argument was, well, if my giant dick caused me back pain, she'd be alright with me getting some of it cut off. If this is an argument that you're inclined to make, I would let you I would like to let you know firsthand that I am 100 percent okay with you cutting your entire fucking penis off. Yeah, everyone with that point of view, just go ahead and chop that shit off right now. Yeah, and we don't fucking need it. Yeah, just don't don't reproduce. <laughs> like for me, whatever Colin needs to live his happiest life, that's what's important to me. If he came to me and was like, hey, I think I need to be a woman, that would take me a minute to digest. He's not going to do that. But I would be like, okay, I support you. We'll we'll work through this in whatever way we need to. Right. So someone being like, I ain't going to cut my dick off because you ain't going to appreciate it. It's like, then you don't respect your partner enough to care about what really matters to them. Yeah. And just, okay, just going through my entire life being a woman, presenting as a woman, I can only fucking imagine Girls who have giant natural like H cup boobs. I can only imagine the fucking horrors they deal with on a daily basis. The core workouts, Kelly. The core workouts. The core workouts, the back and shoulder pain, and the fucking leering and nasty comments and gross ass people. Yeah. So the quotes from Reddit. Isn't that the chick from Modern Family who got fat tits? Edit. Holy shit, she had boob reduction surgery when she was just 16 in the before picture on the left. Why God would she do that? I think it was for health issues. 
They damaged her spine due to the size or something. I know a cousin with the same problem. Someone said, incel for life is their username. I wish I had a girlfriend with tits so huge they immobilized her spine. Jesus Christ. No longer trolling says, fuck her. She has no right to go against God and deprive the world of juicy melons just for her petty personal issues. Yes, spinal deformity. So fucking petty. So petty. For real, she needed to take a lesson from Christina Hendricks, who does have gigantic knockers. And they're natural and she's from Tennessee. Here's the thing. Hmm. If Christina if Christina Hendricks wants to have giant boobs and do all of the core workouts necessary to maintain that, I fucking support it. I'm not going to body shame anybody. If you want to have tiny titties, that's fine. Another thing is that there's a huge culture of men shaming women who are getting the genetic testing to determine whether or not they're likely to have breast cancer and then getting, you know, mastectomies after that. They're like, why would you do that? Why would you deprive your husband of that? Oh my God. Why would my husband deprive me of my fucking life when I get breast cancer? Exactly. And it just, those dudes have literally no respect. If you are the type of person who thinks that a woman's body is what is owed to you, she is literally an, a sexual object to you. Right. And that, yeah, taking initiative for her body is disrespecting her partner in some way. These are the same motherfuckers who post it on Facebook about how I can't get a girl because I'm too nice. Girls on <laughs> Rachel just did a literal spit take. <laughs> That's a Southern Hills first. <laughs> I was getting water and it's so funny. We have been talking mad shit. We're not going to say any names. We both have a shared acquaintance who's always fucking posting this shit. Always with the nice guy shit. Always. And we're like, oh my God, the most recent thing that he posted, we were both like, you are not fucking nice. If this is what you think, you are not nice. Exactly. Yeah, simultaneously posting stuff about I'm too nice and all women are bitches. Those two things don't go together. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. If you are not taking the time to get to know individual women and determine who they are on a case by case basis, go fuck yourself. I, I will say as a woman who has dealt with these dudes... Like, it is the biggest turnoff. It's the biggest turnoff for some guy to come on to me and be super over-the-top, quote-unquote, nice because I'm aware he does not see me as Kelly. He sees me as vagina. Any female will do. That's the impression you're giving. And it's so fucking transparent. You're not fooling anybody. And it's not nice. I don't want to be treated like a walking vagina. I want to be treated like a person. Fancy that. <laughs> Hard to imagine. <laughs> I remember a distinct case of this one person who I was talking to and they never seemed to disagree with me. And I was like, man, that's so bizarre. I, I would have thought we would ha have had so it just didn't set right. Like there was something we should have disagreed on at some point. And then after um, he got friend zoned, <laughs> which I'm literally using that term because I'm sure that's how he felt. Yes. Really what happened was I determined he wasn't compatible because there was something that just something off off. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so when he got brand zoned, <laughs> fucking hate that shit. He came out and then was like, I can't believe you did these things and I can't believe that um, I did this for you and you didn't appreciate it. There it is. This is yep. what I was missing. You never said any of these things to me. Right. And then, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. They never disagree with you. They're just like your yes man, your hype guy for all things. And then... They do little favors for you or they do little nice gestures, but it's not just a nice gesture. It's a gift with an expectation attached. Yes. And that's so disingenuous. Yes. And it's because then they're going to turn around when they get rejected and say, well, I got you these things and I did this for you and you're still not going to have sex with me. Exactly. It's just like the Morty meme where it's the punch card for times I was nice. <laughs> yeah. For those of you not in the know, the meme says um, how nice guys think sex works and it's um, times I respected you and it's a punch card and it's like all fully punched. Yeah, if, you, if you've been using that approach and having no success, which let's be real, you haven't been having success with that approach. Here's some advice. When you talk to a girl, don't talk to her thinking I'm talking to a girl. Talk to her like you would talk to any of your friends. Be real. If she likes a band that you don't really like, you can tell her that. You can talk about, you know disagreements in a respectful way and introduce her to new things and have an actual conversation and stimulate her in some manner that's very attractive 
Yeah, that's literally what got Colin into my pants. <laughs> <laughs> he, he completely respected me as a person. Yeah, and confidence is hot. And just being a like simpering, desperate vagina monger is not hot. No, and it's so annoying because in international parenting books that I've read, they constantly talk about how Americans are really bad to, to work in rules. They're like, if you're trying to um, sleep train your baby using the French sleep training method, they're like, oh, French pediatricians that work in the United States are like, oh, we don't even teach parents that here because they're too rule obsessed. It's basically you just wait. You wait for your kid to fall back asleep. That shit applies to fucking dating too because dudes are like, oh, the pickup game or whatever. Yes. Oh, I'll just neg her. And then that's, you know, she's going to think I disagree with her on these things and she's going to be attracted to me. If you have to be mean to synthesize the idea of occasionally disagreeing on things or not agreeing with her viewpoint or even finding something that she says disrespectful, you are just following rules and you aren't treating her like a person. True. Yeah, I, I guess I should have been clear. Like you I was trying to make the point, you can disagree. You don't have to agree with everything she says. But yeah, negging is fucking disgusting. Yeah, that's and like, that's the counterpoint to it. They're like, yes. oh, okay, then I'll just neg. And it's fucking stupid. Don't do that. And I will say, I do get negged. It's very obnoxious. It's very transparent. And what I do every single time, I neg them back. And then they are up my ass for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how Kelly weeds out the dudes with the humiliation fetish. <laughs> Yeah, actually, it works so well that it fucking backfires. I just do it to be an asshole and to be like, hey, this is how this feels. Do you fucking like that? It works on them. <laughs> so then they just never leave my inbox ever again. That's hilarious. I don't do with that information what you will. I was trying to take Colin to a scary movie early on when we were dating. I really wanted to see a scary movie. So I thought I'd finally found one and it turned out to be some like gothic romance movie. Oh. It was so bad. I bet he hated it. Oh, he super hated it. But he was making fun of me for picking this movie. And I was like, are you fucking negging me right now? <laughs> and he thought it was hilarious that I knew what that was. He was like, no, this movie is genuinely shitty. And I was like, okay, fair. <laughs> yeah. So don't neg me, bro. Yeah, we see through that shit now. We know all the tricks. We have the internet. Yeah. And it's beside the point that it was transparent anyway. Yeah. We're like, oh, okay. Like, okay, like you wouldn't jizz your pants if I got naked right now. Fuck you. Clearly you were an asshole. Well, we prefer men with actual personalities that they don't have to make up to facilitate their nefarious goals. Yeah, I prefer men with a game. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer men with no game who are just like, hey, do you like the same nerdy shit? Yeah. <laughs> that is game though. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Holy shit. Colin's game was fucking respecting me. <laughs> Speaking of things that incels hate, I was curious about the bra-burning feminists. Who were they? What did they do? They didn't fucking burn bras. TLDR. Man, that's so disappointing. I know, this whole time. Kelly and I are just gonna have to get a burn barrel and burn some bras. Yeah. History is missing a point. <laughs> <clears throat> so this bra-burning feminist mythos comes from the Miss America protest. In 1969. On September 7th of 1968, it was attended by about 200 feminists and separately by civil rights advocates. The feminist protests organized by New York Radical Women, which is the best name for a thing ever, included tossing symbolic feminine products including bras, hairspray, makeup, girdles, corsets, false eyelashes, mops, and other items into a freedom trash can <laughs> on the Atlantic City boardwalk. So we're going to get a freedom burn barrel. Yes. Actually, when I was a kid, we burned our trash and dad accidentally burned a bottle of hairspray and it fucking rocketed into the neighbor's yard. <laughs> <laughs> wow. My dad used to burn his garbage too and it drove me crazy. We were young. I, I didn't I didn't know any better. I just remember watching the hairspray like, fuck yeah, being a little redneck kid in the yard. <laughs> when the protesters also successfully unfurled a large banner emblazoned with women's liberation inside the contest hall they drew worldwide media attention and national attention to the women's lib movement reporter lindsay van gelder drew an analogy in her reporting between the feminist protesters tossing bras in the trash cans in the vietnam war protests who protesters who burned their draft cards it was run under the headline bra burners in miss america the bra burning trope was erroneously and permanently attached to the event and became a catchphrase of the feminist era wow so they literally threw the stuff away in a freedom trash can. And now we're, and now Kelly and I have to burn bras. I'm down for that. Well, we can burn that motherfucking underwire piece of shit that I bought. <laughs> I have some burn worthy bras at home. The chafing. Ugh. Actually, it was kind of funny. I should have known better. My belly is up to a place right now where I chafed the top of my belly trying to wear 
Oh my goodness. An underwear bra. <laughs> like middle of the day, I was just like, I took it off. I was at work. These are these are nipples, not swastikas. I can't stress that enough. <laughs> a lesser known protest was also organized on the same day by civil rights advocate Jay Morris at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel a few, bro- a few blocks from the Miss America pageant. They crowned the first Miss Black America. Yeah, so bra burning and Miss Black America. Well, bra not burning. Who knew? Right? And I don't really, I think this is kind of a good place in history because I don't view the bra so much as a symbol of oppression. Like, we don't have to wear them. There are chicks who are into it and there are chicks who aren't. Yeah, actually, one of the things I read today, they were talking to millennial women about their bra-free habits and the consensus was like yeah i'm not making a political statement i just really hate wearing them (laughs) (laughs) and you don't have to anymore so why bother exactly i like that that's see that's where i want that's where i want it girls can just do what they want and that's it isn't that crazy like men don't have to worry about that like did you know that the reason women's buttons are on the opposite side from men's it's not to discern female shirts and male shirts i mean they're obviously going to be very different sizes yeah it's because it's easier for someone to dress you with your buttons the way that our buttons are, and it's easier to dress yourself the other way, like based on being right-handed. Weird. So are they assuming that women are being dressed by someone else? Just whenever women's clothes would have been, or whatever the buttons would have been invented, I guess. Wow. Don't cite me on that, because I've read it, and it's stuck in my brain, and now I'm like, am I spreading old wives' tales? I don't think I am. I'm pretty sure that's, like, legit. We'll just give our standard clause of Google it. Yeah! <laughs> Once an episode without fail. Uh, so I guess that covers everything I wanted to talk about titty related. Yeah, so what do you want to tell us titty related? What do you think about titties? <laughs> <laughs> Within the context of the episode, you perverts. Yeah. I mean, you can tell me whatever. <laughs> it's cool. But yeah, if you have any feedback, topic ideas, drop us a line, southernhells at gmail.com. And thanks for listening. See you next Thursday.